America is dead. For four years, we've heard the left and the very partisan press tell us how the Russians interfered in the 2016 elections. Recent documents released reveal the true meddling happened at the hands of Hillary Clinton's campaign and aided and abetted by high-level officials at the FBI, the CIA, and yes, at the very White House under the then President Obama and Vice President Joe Biden. But this year, a different attempt to rig the election by lies and disinformation and censorship is happening under deceit from the big tech social media giants like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, and Instagram. In a move that is so brazen that it's earned founder Jack Dorsey an invitation to come and testify to the Senate. Twitter has locked out the Trump campaign account and that of the White House press secretary, Kayleigh McInerney, for daring to mention a front page article that was published in the New York Post, which, by the way, is the fourth largest distributing newspaper in America. Why did they do that? I'll tell you why. Because it painted Joe Biden and his wayward son, Hunter, in a negative light. Twitter lied. I know, I know. Shocking and refused to allow the story because it wasn't all verified. All the while, the same Twitter censors who allows vicious and unverified attacks against President Trump. To assist a campaign with something of value should be subject to the campaign financial laws, at least one would think. Twitter and Facebook's actions are thinly disguised campaign contributions to Joe Biden and the Democratic National Committee. And I think it's past time for Congress to act and pursue antitrust regulation against the companies who have long ceased to be market-driven social media platforms and have become the monopolistic utilities. The damage they are inflicting on free speech and a fair political debate are worse than anything the Russians are being accused of doing. And by the way, if you've not seen the documentary called the social dilemma, you really should. I promise you that you will not be allowing your young teenager on social media without some heavy restrictions, if you allow it at all. Silicon Valley billionaires now decide what you can and cannot see, and they have decided that you cannot see negative information about how then Vice President Joe Biden used his position to obtain his son's hunters some lucrative contracts with Ukraine, Russia, and the communist China. Not little contracts either, but multi-million dollar deals that Hunter Biden was not qualified to obtain. Okay. Other than the fact that his father was vice president of the United States at the time, that was his qualification. Do you know how much time the major networks gave to this story the day it broke? Not one second. Nothing. Now, what would have been the coverage if the politician's son would have been named, say, Eric Trump? What do you think? Well, the election this year is a test of whether our elections can be stolen by big tech billionaires who only allow you to get information that they want you to have. If we allow this kind of heavy-handed influence peddling and overt censorship of the news... 
of course, you don't want it unfavorable to the left, but full throttle fake news to destroy President Trump, Vice President Pence, Amy Comey Barrett, and hey, for that matter, you and I, we're going to end up with a government that we will not recognize. I don't know about you, but I want a president who's not afraid to stand up to China rather than get his son a cushy cash deal with China. I want someone who will fight against the D.C. swamp rats rather than feed them cheese. And I really want someone who will not use the power of the federal thiefdom to fill his pockets and cover the tracks of the corrupt creatures of the swamp. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Around the Campfire with Kate. Yep, another week has flown by, and it's the beginning of a new week, and that I'm sure will be full of more surprises from the right and from the left, as well as in my own personal life. The introduction music and lyrics is entitled, America is Dying, But It's Not Too Late, by Dave Bray and Jeremy Harrell. So go on over and check out Dave Bray's patriotic music on YouTube. Are you getting tired of the mainstream media not doing their jobs? Me too. Well, tonight, I plan to talk about Kamala Harris and the type of documented person that she truly is. Then I will combine Joe Biden in the mix and the type of presidency that they would have if they actually were to win or steal the election. There's a lot to consider. And we all know that no matter who wins the election, there will be violence, and most likely not from the right. The left wants you to believe that the right is the problem when we all have bore witness to the facts and that the left no longer needs a reason to rape, rob, pillage, riot, and kill. They are paid to do a job, and a job they will do. You will hear tonight how the left is pushing for a revolution, that they want the right to push back so they can claim that the right has been evil all along. The left is blatant now in openly planning a coup against the President of the United States either if President Trump should win or if Joe Biden should win. And I will explain that. We are all witnessing these events unfold before our eyes, and yet there are so many that refuse to open their eyes and see what is happening. All of these issues and more will be talked about tonight. The audio that you are about to hear confirms much about Kamala Harris and her swamp activities. And it's only the tip of the iceberg of what we're to expect in the future. This show is a live call-in show, so if you want to make a call to make a statement, ask a question, or just give your opinion, please feel free. The number is 786-245-8127, or you can call in using Skype through PSN Radio. The number again is 786-245-8127. David Daleiden is the pro-life citizen journalist behind the Center for Medical Progress and its undercover Planned Parenthood videos. We sat down with him last week to get the latest on his legal battles, and it became clear very quickly that Daleiden had a number of legal run-ins with former California Attorney General and now a Democratic presidential candidate, Kamala Harris. That's where we pick up our conversation for this week's Pro-Life Focus. Tell us more about your encounters with her and 
a raid on your apartment? Yeah. So in April of 2016, at the behest of Planned Parenthood, Kamala Harris ordered um, a search warrant served on, on my home in Orange County. Uh, I think it was 11, a total of 11 agents of the California Department of Justice sent by Kamala Harris came in, overturned my entire one-bedroom apartment. Um, they seized all of the video recording equipment, all of my computer equipment, um, everything that was, all, all, all the electronic equipment that was used to do the undercover filming. Fortunately, there were backup hard drives and, you know, attorneys had copies of stuff mm -hmm. and, and other things. So, so they didn't take anything that I absolutely needed in order to continue to, to do my work. But they, but they primarily, they were looking for the videos and they were looking for the original videos. Uh, we now, we have in, in, in the investigative the investigator notes mm -hmm. from the attorney general's office now, they recorded in their uh, case notes Planned Parenthood specifically requesting of Kamala Harris's office that they would specifically go in and seize the videos from me. So they were trying to take all the, the raw footage away and trying to do a, a huge cover-up. They weren't successful at doing that, but that was, that, that, that's, that's just one of many things that Kamala Harris as Attorney General of California, was willing to do to put the powers of her law enforcement office at the service of the interests of a, of a powerful and favored political backer at Planned Parenthood. That being said, she is a likely 2020 presidential candidate. Uh, what do you want viewers to know about her as we see that she will likely run? Yeah, you know, uh, I just saw her recently on, I think it was MSNBC, talking about the confirmation hearings of William Barr, who's the new nominee mm -hmm. for attorney general. And Senator Harris was opining that, that really uh, nominee Barr, if, con if confirmed, probably she thinks should recuse himself from the Russia investigation because of some op-eds he's written about the Mueller probe or something like that. Well, when Kamala Harris had the Planned Parenthood case, which was the, the investigation mm -hmm. of me, brought before her as Attorney General while she was running for U.S. Senate, while Planned Parenthood in California was contributing to her political campaign and she was fundraising for them, fundraising off of her goodwill with Planned Parenthood for her senatorial campaign. Did she recuse herself from the Planned Parenthood investigation? No, she didn't. In fact, she, she didn't even set up, they sometimes talk about having a, a wall of separation in the prosecutor's office in mm. order to make sure that there's no improper crossover. Not, over, not only did she not recuse, did she not set up a wall of separation, she consciously and willfully involved herself directly and personally in the Planned Parenthood case. She had an in-person meeting with six Planned Parenthood executives from California in Los Angeles two weeks before the raid on my apartment. Mm -hmm. We have the action item notes and the email from her assistant from that meeting. Wow. They show that among the Planned Parenthood folks present, two of them were witnesses in the, in the criminal investigation that Kamala Harris's office was, was orchestrating against me and Sandra. And they show that the agenda items that Kamala Harris discussed with those Planned Parenthood witnesses and representatives at that meeting included both Planned Parenthood's political agenda in California and issues in the criminal investigation. So there was a direct mixing of her political roles and political agenda and, and campaign agenda and political agenda of an outside third party directly mixed in, inseparable from her role as a law enforcement officer. That is some powerful insight right there. Uh, you mentioned William Barr. 
Uh, he is currently in the confirmation process for him to become potentially the next Attorney General of the United States. He's a fellow Catholic as well. As he is, in fact, confirmed, what action would you like to see him take and, and for the Department of Justice to take on Planned Parenthood? I really hope that the Department of Justice will start to do its job and hold Planned Parenthood accountable to the law the same way that any other organization or any other entity should be held accountable to the law. Uh, I think uh, you know, there's a great irony of the past two years here with the Department of Justice that DOJ and FBI have been rather vigorously investigating and prosecuting a group of Native Americans in North and South Dakota who were trafficking and selling in the body parts of bald eagles. Hmm. And they were harvesting and selling bald eagle body parts across the country for profit. And they have been vigorously investigated and indicted and prosecuted by the U.S. Department of Justice. And yet, meanwhile, it's been two years and Planned Parenthood still hasn't been indicted or prosecuted for harvesting and selling the body parts of tiny preborn children. Um, and you would think that, especially under a pro-life administration, that surely the body parts of unborn children and the trafficking and selling of baby body parts is just as horrific and, and just of as much concern as the harvesting and selling and trafficking of bald eagle body parts. So, you know, we, we, uh, we did get uh, some good news about a year ago. It was announced by the U.S. DOJ that they had opened an active criminal investigation of some of the biggest Planned Parenthood affiliates in the country, plus their business partners, based on the criminal referrals from the congressional investigations that were very good and very thorough. So it's been, a, it's been about a year now. We, you know, the public hasn't heard any, anything since. But, uh, but I do hope that um, if someone as experienced as Attorney General Barr were to be confirmed, I mean, Maybe, maybe not. Hope, maybe, maybe not even before the confirmation. But really, it's you know, it's been a year now, and I think um, I think it's important for people to see that nobody is above the law, and DOJ should do their job on this the same way that they're doing their job on eagle body parts should be done on baby body parts as well. Let's dig right in here on Kamala Harris. As you heard in the audio. Harris instigated a search warrant against a lawful citizen using her powers to demonize him and try as she might to steal his personal property. Harris has a documented history of using her power to abuse her authority. Joe Biden himself, during a Democratic presidential debate, went after Harris over her record as the state's attorney general of California and San Francisco's district attorney. Biden clearly stated that a crime labs, lab scandal involved Harris's district attorney's office and resulted in more than a thousand drug cases being dismissed. And Harris, quote, blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to give up the evidence, unquote. Biden's claim that a thousand drug cases had to be dismissed when Harris was district attorney is accurate. This involved problems with the crime lab that triggered those dismissals until the issue became public, of course. And Harris did not pursue all of the evidence in the case against a death row man because she said, quote, the innocence of the inmate in question has yet to be determined, unquote. Really? Okay. What happened to innocent and less proven guilty? A longtime San Francisco public defender Jeff Adachi criticized Harris's handling of the crime of the crime lab situation back in 2010. And during a January 
interview just this last year. The San Francisco drug, drug lab was shut down after a lead technician was found to have systematically mishandled the drug samples from the suspects, even consuming some of them herself. Oh, and uh, while we're mentioning this, this same drug lab technician is the same technician that testified on behalf of the prosecution in almost all of their drug cases for at least five years. Judge Anne Christine Masulo wrote in her decision that the prosecutors, quote, at the highest levels of the district attorney's office knew that Madden, which was the drug lab technician, was not dependable witness at trial and that there were serious concerns regarding that crime lab, unquote. It's reported that Harris even ignored their, her staff recommendations way back in 2005, urging her office to establish a defendant's rights policy, known as the Brady Doctrine, that would have mandated her staff to disclose this type of information to defendants. So that's five years of the drug lab not being dependable, and she still used them to prosecute. Now, about the inmate. In February of this year, California Governor Gavin Newsom ordered a new DNA testing in the 1983 murder of Kevin, the murder case of Kevin Cooper. Cooper came within hours, literally hours of execution in 2004 after being charged and convicted with the murders of an adult couple and two children. Harris opposed the DNA testing when she was the state attorney general. Yet in February of this year, this case was 1983. In February of this year, Cooper was granted his DNA and it was proven that he was innocent. Harris has since said that she now supports DNA testing and encourages Newsom to help in Cooper's case. Really? So now you're running for one of the highest powers and authority on earth. And so now you want to appease the people by advocating DNA for possible innocent lives being warehoused in private prisons. I find that interesting and suspicious. And Harris defended her criminal justice record in her statement saying, quote, as elected attorney general of California, I did the work of significantly reforming the criminal justice system of a state of 40 million people, and I'm proud of that work, unquote. Okay. So what you're saying, Camilla Harris, is that you significantly reformed the criminal justice system within the state of California to place innocent lives in a private prison system, which you hold stock in. Oh, well, uh, that's a whole nother show. Not one, count them, not one police officer's association within the United States supports either Biden or Harris. Check it out. Look it up for yourself. Not one. When Harris was in the district attorney's office, she refused to seek the death penalty for the murder of a young police officer. The perpetrator was caught and confessed that he sought to kill a police officer that night. There was also special circumstances to warrant the death penalty, yet because of his age, 
being 21 years old, Harris sought life without the possibility of of parole. One more person in her private prison, in her private prison, that would entail many years of income for her. And Harris, his advisor, uh, Ms. Meslow, said that the decision frayed the relationship between the DA's office and the police department. Just prior to the funeral of the slain 29-year-old police officer, Harris gave a statement in the San Francisco Chronicle where she laid out what she saw as problems with using the death penalty and what, why she would not pursue in any case. And she wrote, quote, for those who want the defendant to be put to death, let me say simply that there can be no exception to the principle. The district attorney is charged with seeking justice, not vengeance, unquote. Okay. What about justice for the man that wanted his DNA taken to prove his innocence, which you denied, Kamala Harris? You had to be forced to comply. You know, the man that was hours before his execution, before he was granted a stay. Your words mean nothing, Kamala Harris. All you have are words. When Harris was asked during the campaign trail just this month about any regrets not seeking the death penalty for the cop killer and not even speaking to the family in any capacity, Harris said, I do not have to ask for permission to make my decisions. Unquote. That's just cold. And Harris has a history of picking and choosing the limits of her professional obligation. If she wants you on death row, you go on death row. If she wants you in prison for life, you go to prison for life. If she wants you released from custody, guess what? You're released from custody. Neither Biden or Harris are for the people. They're out only for themselves. They are careless. They are ruthless. They are pedophiles. They sell aborted infantile body parts to fund their agendas. And both Biden and Harris knows about the other's exploits. And they both support one another. Now let's hit another side of the story. Hunter Biden introduced his father, then Vice President Joe Biden, to a top executive at a Ukrainian energy firm less than a year before the pedophile Joe pressured government officials in Ukraine into firing a prosecutor who was investigating the company and Joe Biden's son, Hunter. And that's according to the emails that were were obtained. The never-before-revealed meeting is mentioned in a message of appreciation that Vadim Prozowski, an advisor to the board of Burisma, sent Hunter Biden on April 17, 2015, about a year after Hunter joined the Burisma board at a reported salary of up to $50,000 a month. It says, and I quote, Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to D.C. and give an opportunity to meet your father and spend some time together. It's really an honor and a pleasure, unquote. The email reads, in an earlier email, May of 2014, it also shows Pazarski, reportedly Burisma's number three executive, asking Hunter for, quote, advice on how you can use your influence, unquote, or your father's influence on the company's behalf. This correspondence, which flies in the face of Joe Biden's claim that he is never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings, unquote, is contained in a massive trove of data recovered from a laptop computer. The computer was dropped off at a repair shop in Biden's home state of Delaware 
in April of 2019. That is according to the store owner. The customer, being Hunter Biden, brought in a water-damaged MacBook for repair, but he never paid for the service or retrieved it or the hard drive which its contents were stored, according to the store owner. He, re- he said he'd repeatedly tried to contact the client. The computer and hard drive were seized by the FBI just this last December after the shop's owner says that he alerted the feds to their existence. But before turning it over to the FBI, the shop owner says that he made a copy of the hard drive and later gave it to former Mayor Rudy Giuliani's lawyer, Robert Costello, because he feared for his life. Stephen Bannon, former advisor to President Trump, told The Post about the existence of the hard drive in late September, and Giuliani provided The Post with a copy of it on Sunday. Less than eight months after Pazarski thanked Hunter Biden for the introduction to his dad, the then vice president, admittedly pressured Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko and Prime Minister Arseniy Yetsyan, I can't even pronounce his last name, so you guys guess it, into getting rid of Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin by threatening to withhold a $1 billion United States loan guarantee during a December 2015 trip to Kiev. Quote, I looked at them and I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor is not fired, you're not getting any money, unquote. Biden infamously bragged to the Council of Foreign Relations in 2018, quote, well, son of a bitch, he got fired, unquote. Democrats are laying the groundwork for revolution right before our eyes. Oh, but Kate, that's just a conspiracy theory. Well, Sit back and listen to this theory, will you? As if 2020 were not insane enough already, we now have Democrats and their ruling class masters openly talking about staging a coup. And you might have missed it, which with all the riots and lockdowns and other daily mayhem that we're being forced to endure. This most wretched year of my lifetime, I am witnessing it happening. How about you? Okay, let's start with the military. The military brass quietly indicating that the troops should not follow a presidential order. They were bolstered by many former generals, including President Trump's own first secretary of state, who stated openly what the brass would only hint at. Then, as nationwide riots were rolling in early June, the sitting secretary of defense himself all but publicly told President Trump not to invoke the Insurrection Insurrection Act. His implicit message was, quote, Mr. President, don't tell us to do that because we won't. And you know what happens after that, unquote. And this enthused Joe Biden to no end. He threw subtly to the win- subtlety to the winds when he said on three different occasions in lies that the military will, quote, escort Trump from the White House with great dispatch should the president refuse to leave, unquote. And one might dismiss such comments as the ravings of a dementia patient and a has-been who has never gotten over his electoral loss. But before you do, consider this. 
Over the summer, a story was deliberately leaked to the press of a meeting of 100 Democrat grandees, anti-Trump former Republicans, and other ruling class politicians got together on George Soros' dime to game out various outcomes of the 2020 election. One such outcome was a clear Trump win. In that eventuality, former Bill Clinton White House Chief of Staff John Podesta, who was playing Biden, refused to concede the loss and pressured the states that Trump won in to send Democrats to the former Electoral College vote and then trusted that the military would take care of the rest. The leaked report from the exercise darkly concluded that technocratic solutions, courts, and reliance on the elites observing norms are not the answer in this scenario, unquote, promising that what would follow in the November election would be, quote, a street fight and not a legal battle, unquote. Then there were two more data points among several that could be provided. Over the summer, two former Army officers, both prominent in the Democratic-aligned national security think tank world, wrote an open letter to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs in which they urged him to deploy the 2nd Airborne Division to drag President Trump from the Oval Office at precisely 12.01 a.m. January 20th, 2021. And about a month later, Hillary Clinton declared publicly that Joe Biden should not concede the election under any circumstances. The old English major in me wants to interpret the words as any circumstances to mean no None, nada, niente, zero zitch. You get the idea. This does not sound like rhetoric of a political party confident that it's going to win in an upcoming election. So let's talk about the cover-up in plain sight. These items, to repeat, merely a short but representative list of what Byron York recently labeled coup porn. York seems to think that it is just harmless fantasizing on the part of the ruling class and its democratic servants. For some of them, no doubt, that's true. But for all of them, I'm not so sure. In his famously exhaustive discussion of conspiracies, Michiavelli goes out on a limb, goes way out to emphasize the indispensability of quote, operational security, end quote, meaning silence to success. The first rule of conspiracy is you do not talk about the conspiracy. The second rule of conspiracy is you do not talk about the conspiracy. So, Kate, why are you claiming that the Democrats are talking conspiracy? publicly? Well, because they know that for it to succeed, it must not look like a conspiracy. They need to plant the idea in the public mind now that their unlawful and illegitimate removal of President Trump from office will somehow be his fault. They're already doing that. Never mind the pesky little detail that the president would refuse to leave only if he were convinced that he actually legitimately won. Remember, 
Biden should not concede under any circumstances. Listen to what I'm saying. Mark my words. The second part of the plan is either to produce enough harvested ballots, lawfully or not, to tip close states, or as to dispute the results in close states and insist, no matter what the tally says, that Biden won them. The worst case scenario for the country and not the ruling class would be results in a handful of states that are so ambiguous and hotly disputed that no one can rightly say who won. And of course, that will not stop the Democrats from insisting that they won. The public preparation for that has also already begun. That we can prove that by streams of stories and social media posts, ex, you know, explaining how, while on the election night, it might look as if Trump won, close states will tip to Biden as all the mail-in ballots are, you know, counted. The third piece is to get the vast and loud dem left propaganda machine ready for war. That leaked report exhorted Democrats to identify, quote, key, key influencers in the media and among local political action who could establish pre-commitments to playing a constructive role in the event of a contested election, unquote. In other words, blaring from the rooftops that Trump lost, even though he did not. At this point, it's safe to assume that unless Trump wins in a blowout that cannot be overcome by cheating and or denied via the ruling class's massive propaganda operation, that is exactly what the Democratic politician and media organizations will shout. Trump lost and we won. Okay, what happens then? Well, the Podesta assumption is that the military will side with the Democrats. There's reason to fear that that actually could happen. The Obama administration spent a great deal of political capital purging the officer corps of anyone not down with the program and promoting only those who are. Still in all, determining the outcome of an election would be the most open political interference possible forming out allegedly a political military. And it is plausible that the brass will not want to make it its quiet support of the ruling class agenda that overt. But then the, the aforementioned chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff has already stated that the military will play no role in the outcome of the election. And that's probably a fiant, but one wonders if it will hold given the obvious attempt to influence military thinking by people like Jeffrey Goldberg in his ancient or his recent Atlantic essay. Can the Democrats rely on the Secret Service to drag Trump out? Well, you know, I've seen the service up close and it really is or strongly appears to be apolitical. It has a job to do and that's protect the president, whoever that is. These officers take that job very seriously. If they do not believe that Trump lost, I do not think that they can be counted on to oust him. But then on the other hand, were they to believe that he did lose and was refusing to leave, which is a scenario that I find totally impossible to imagine, 
but the Democrats insist that it's just around the corner, it is possible that the service might act. Now, barring all of that, what's left? Remember the phrase from the Democratic war game, quote, street fight, unquote? In other words, a repeat of the summer, only on a much large scale and in many, many more cities across our nation. Crank the propaganda to eardrum shattering decibels and fill the streets of every major city with protesters. Shut down the country and allow only one message to be heard. Trump must go. In other words, what has come to be known as the color revolution, the exact same play can deep state runs in other countries whose leadership they do not like and is currently running right now in Belarus, oust the leader, even an elected one, through agitation and then call it democracy. The events of the last few months may be interpreted as an attempted color revolution that failed to gain steam. Or you could even call it a trial run for the coming weeks. And I wonder, is the Trump administration prepared? Well, here's one thing they can do. They can play their own war game. They can use scenarios so as to game out possibilities and minimize surprises. If they haven't already done it, that's what I would do. They should also be talking to people inside and outside of the government whom they absolutely trust to get a clearer sense of who on the inside will not go along with a coup and who might. They also need to set up or shore up right now communication channels that do not rely on the media or big tech. Yes. Hey, caller. Hi, Kate. This is Roy. Hi, Roy. Hi, Roy. I'm doing good. I'm, I, uh, I'm not too good at this. And, okay. Uh, that's pretty much the first time. I hope maybe the listeners would uh, pretty much catch on to what I'm uh, saying. And uh, I posted some stuff on Facebook, and it's like every time I want to post something and say something, I'm getting blocked from Facebook because they don't like what I have to say. And right. maybe your listeners, maybe your listeners can uh, catch on, you know, to what I said and what I'm saying. Um, for almost four years, I sat and watched Obama divide the country. He brought back hate and divided the country with hate. And Joe Biden, alongside him, didn't bother to say anything about it. Democrats, I mean, I never saw a, a party that was so full of hate in my life. And it's like, there's nothing you can say about any. There's nothing good you can say about the Democrats. And uh, I, I just, you know, with Joe Biden running for president, uh, talking about taxing the rich people and talking about taxes, this, that. Um, I, I 
wonder if he's going to tax all his rich friends in China. Probably uh, not. No, I don't. I don't think he will. And if if people don't catch on to what he's doing or what he's going to do, it's going to be too late. Because where where the business? Who the business? Uh, make pay the taxes that he's going to raise. I mean, it's all going to be passed on the on the, the people. I agree. You know, because the rich people don't pay taxes. Or at least they pass it on to everybody else. You know, and that's a lot more I can say. And you you pretty much read what I post on Facebook. Sometimes if I don't get blocked. Uh, last time I got blocked, it was for a month. And dealing with the stuff that we're having to deal with in Louisiana, I don't know how much more we can take of all this garbage with the face masks and all this. I mean, nobody wants to question the Democrats about uh, when they went to Italy, because that's right after they came back from Italy, all this coronavirus came up, popped up. And I'm, I'm just waiting, and I made phone calls to my state representatives, um, John Kennedy, Steve Kalish, and... Okay, we need to keep wrapping it up. Keep going. I, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe your, listen, your listeners and the people in the country would wake up, you know, because I, I think the Democrats had a lot to do with uh, spreading the, uh, or letting the virus spread. And, uh, and I'm not going to wear no mask. I, I, I'm a taxpayer. I'm not a kid. I'm 65 years old. I'm not a kid. And I don't want to be treated like a kid, not by Democrats and not by Republicans, neither one. So if I can get people to understand where I'm coming from, good. Uh, you know, I mean, I just don't like what the country's, I mean, the country's being divided with so much hate that uh, we need to wake up. We do. We uh, really do. We need to wake up. We do. I, uh, I just, you know, I read Washington Post. Yes. Uh, I wash, I, I mean, I read it, and and it's like, a, it's it's so. I wonder if they wake up in the morning and they look at themselves in the mirror. I I agree. I agree. You know? I I need to keep the show rolling here, Roy. Okay, man. Well, um, Thank nice. you for calling in. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you, Roy, for calling in. You had some good things to say, um, which fits right into the Trump administration needs to shore up communication channels that do not rely on big media or big tech. They've already shut down his account, or two of his accounts already. And once the ruling class gives word that the narrative that is Trump lost all his social media accounts will be suspended. The television channels, which will likely, uh, except for maybe Fox News, will refuse to cover anything else. You can count on this. He is going to need a way to talk to the American people, and he has to find the means to do it now. And for the rest of us, the most important thing that we can do is raise awareness, just like Roy was saying. If there is a conspiracy to remove President Trump from office if he wins, they are telling you about it precisely to get ready for it. So when it happens, you will not think 
that it's a conspiracy and you will blame President Trump. Do not be fooled. Think about pedophile Joe becoming president of our nation. Think about the 25th Amendment to the United States Constitution that Pelosi is sinking. Not against President Trump. Think about this. But against Biden, if he were to steal the election. Kamala Harris will then become president of the United States. And then who becomes vice president? Would it not be Pelosi, the Speaker of the House? Come on, people. Open your eyes. Harris's records proves that within the last 20 years, she puts innocent people in prison for profit. She advocates and is part of aborted infantile organ stealing. Both Biden and Harris are First Amendment and Second Amendment against First and Second Amendment. They're anti-U.S. Constitution. And Biden has declared that he will raise our taxes to 70 percent, just like I was just saying 70% of the of of our taxes of what we make people wake up. And Project Veritas has released a video of a Colorado Democratic operative and a prominent member of a radical leftist organization revealing the violent and murderous plans of the militant left should President Trump win a second term, term of office. The violence is already being planned. Word from inside sources is that even the inauguration could be a security nightmare. And I'm not a fear porn person, yet we all need to be aware of the plans that are being concocted. One of the first things that you learn in the military is know your enemy. Chris Jacks, he's a trainer and mentor at Our Revolution Protests and a member of the executive committee of the Colorado Democratic Party, he made it clear that he will, quote, do everything morally acceptable, end quote, to prevent Trump's reelection this year. He said, quote, I am going to do everything morally acceptable to see that he loses. I will lie. I will cheat. I will steal because that's morally acceptable in this political environment. Absolutely. We are pirates on a pirate ship, unquote. Jax also added, quote, I want to make this, I want to make this point loudly and very clearly. I said it nicely before, and I'll say it more curtly now. 2020 is a political revolution, unquote. And then Jax claims, quote, should the situation escalate into outright civil war, we need to recruit military veterans to fight for the left, specifically to rally change the country with violence and target the billionaires for assassination, unquote. <laughs> really, Jax? You want to recruit military veterans? Let me know how that works for you. Jax claims that Antifa and Black Lives Matter will be running the streets just waiting for their signal to wreak havoc. He claims that 1% has the power and the fear of the people. Quote, populist uprising have power because we're used to killing people. We'll hang people from gas stations. We'll cut the, their heads off of certain ones. Fear's going to grip the boot liquor bitches and we're going to own them. Unquote. 
Jax is unaware of the hell most of these boot liquor bitches have lived. As in the word of the movie in The Patriot, soon. He also claims that Joe Biden is presumably, quote, left wing, and he's got a functioning signing hand. As long as there's progressive legislation that comes across his desk, I'm confident we can occupy his house. We know where his family lives, and yeah, he wants to veto Medicare for all, let him veto it. He's never leaving that house again without more violence, without more killing, and without more protest, unquote. This is another aspect of what will be in the White House if Biden steals the election. It will literally be Mad Max and Hunger, Hunger Games combined. Am I being overreactive? I don't think so. An organization of the radical left-wing activists has posted an online guard to, guide to, quote, disruption, unquote, that outlines the plan to shut down the country and try to force President Trump from power in the event that the 2020 election is too close to call. The guide entitled Stopping the Coup is available as a Google document and is being circulated by a group called Shut Down DC. It casts its plan for disruption as a response to imagined coup by the president in case of a close election. Parts of the guide states, quote, in order to really win, we will need to force some pillars of power, businesses, military, media, and other major institutions to decide the side of the people, or at least get out of our way. If everyday life goes on, a depot will never leave power, and so there will be no incentive for real systems change. You want to think about that, and we do not want to. St- we do want to stop business as usual. Unquote. It does go on to say, quote, "Those who can should be prepared to take action against those who are feeding into a narrative that Trump has won the election. Where we can, we need to be in the streets, on the highways." or at least at the sites of power and power holders. The guide also suggests that activists will continue their, quote, disruption regardless of who wins the election. We're absolutely not saying the election is useless, but rather rather the reactivity of the right and the white supremacists will be present no matter who wins, unquote. The guide also links to a variety of other documents, such as one devoted to preparing for the threat of violence and another that lists allied organizations. All of the documents seem to benefit from professional level skills in writing, layout, and design. Do you believe me now? Shutdown DC's website indicates that it expects Trump to be, quote, forced from office, unquote. You know, Biden's words, adding, quote, we are not seeking a return to normalcy. 
because we know that returning to normal means returning to a system that was built on oppression. Rather, we see this as a time to rise up against the current rise and move forward to dismantle the interlocking systems of oppression that have plagued this land for centuries, unquote. If Biden and Harris wins or steals the election, we get to fight rampant pedophilia and human trafficking that would go beyond and far worse than anything we could ever imagine. More aborted infantile organ selling, more illegal incarcerations of innocent people, the violation and destruction of our constitution, and the list goes on. This is what is being set up for our children, our grandchildren, and their children, if Christ tarries. Let me ask you a couple of questions. What do you want for your family? What if your son or daughter is being the one trafficked and being sold into sexual slavery? What are you willing to sacrifice to save your family, your country, even your life? Well, Kate, I think you're being melodramatic. I think not. Those who know me and have served with me knows that I've seen it. I've lived it. I've fought against it alongside of them who has served with me. And I will do it again. Will you? Not sit behind a keyboard and say, yeah, I'm willing to do it. I'm tough. Can you and will you fight for your country? Because if Biden and Harris wins, or if Trump wins, it just may come to that. Well, surprisingly, this ends the broadcast for me tonight. It was nice having you all join me beside my campfire. And I'm going to allow the fire to die down and enjoy the glow from the embers before retiring for the night. You know my model. Train hard and train smart to survive, thrive, and stay alive. This is Kate signing off. Until next time. But America is dying. I don't see no love nowhere. And the freedoms that we share Jeremy Harrell But America is dying Let's go